0: As I said, we're going to continue our studies in the church constitution. And it was several weeks ago that we, well, a month or so ago, that we first started this study. And our desire is that we understand what we're about as a church and that we would manifest in a day of uh, individualism, uh, independence in a, <laughs> a very uh, radical sense of I'm going to do my thing no, and I don't care about you sort of attitude that we work together we live together as a church we're one body in christ jesus and we desire him to be honored here and so we want to act in a way that's pleasing to him as a church now we considered the forward of the uh, church constitution and the name of the church we considered these things again several weeks ago if you would like to review, then you can get, I almost said the tape, (laughs) Um, showing my age. But you can download the the message, you can get it online. Uh, We looked at the preamble that we submit to these things, we voluntarily submit to these things, the name of the church, Trinity Baptist Church of Montville, the purpose of the church, and here we spent a lot more time. The first preamble or the first overarching section is that we're here to glorify the God of the scriptures we're not here for any man's namesake we're not here uh and for any other cause we want God to be exalted and we considered even reading a little section of B.B. Warfield that this is really the heart of our doctrine we have a great God and we bow in awe before him And we want his name to be praised. Then we considered that we glorify his name, first of all, in promoting his worship. And we considered various texts with regard to that. Uh, And that's why we're here, and that's what we do. And we even saw that in our studies in 1 Peter, that we are living stones in a spiritual temple. And we're a spiritual, a holy priesthood to offer up living sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices unto God. And so that's what we're about. We're here to worship him. We're also here to evangelize sinners. And we considered uh, briefly the record of Paul's missionary journeys and how he went about that, that fulfilling the great commission to make disciples of all the nations involved preaching the gospel to those nations. And then we came to the... Uh, This point is where we left off edifying saints. And so uh, I think that would be the next page after what you have here. All right, so purpose. uh, Oh, no, no, it's in the middle. I, I, I take it back. All right, it's in the middle of this purpose section one. That's where we are. All right, we're taking those little bits and we're, amplifying and we're taking those texts that are with this evangelizing sinners then the next thing and this is the middle of the purpose section one edifying saints now edifying that's one of those christian words that we bandy about uh we're here for edification we promote edification what's that well i don't know if we have any architects here uh fenestration what's fenestration That's putting in windows. Edification is building an edifice, a building. And so basically this word edification means building up. It means not tearing down, but strengthening and increasing. We want to see this building of the living stones, not the physical uh, mortar and bricks and wood that are around us, Uh, But we want to see the living stone building, this spiritual house, this spiritual tabernacle and temple. We want to see this grow and be stronger. That's what edification means. And so there are a number of texts that are listed here uh, on the page one of the Constitution as you have it before you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. And so this tells us what the purpose of spiritual gifts is. They're not to build up the reputation of the preacher or the one who uses the gifts, but they're for the purpose of building up, that word edification, building up the church. And so that, that would be a whole nother study. What spiritual gift do you have? And maybe you think, I, uh, I don't know. Well, the scriptures are clear. We all have spiritual gift of one sort or another, one or more. And that means every member as a living stone is contributing to the edification of this whole church. We use our gifts whatever they may be, it's giving, it's teaching, it's serving. And of course, serving, that's a big word. How do you serve? Well, I hold the door when people come to church and they're carrying their babies or whatever it may be. That's something I can do. Is that nothing? No, it's not nothing. I can clean the building. I can uh, fix the faucet. I can, whatever gift you may have. And you know when we have this word service it's such a broad word it covers a lot of territory well i don't i don't really do anything i'm I'm really a nobody in this church no you're not we can all serve in some way or another and then with regard to we we go on in first corinthians chapter 14 and looking at the handout there it says 18 to 19 well that let me read those. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind that I may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. And you go back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. They spoke with tongues and men from... And you, you can count, there are 15 language groups mentioned there in Acts chapter 2. Those tongues are human languages. And so my kids say I have the gift of tongues um, because I can speak Tagalog. Well, that's, you know, a lot of people can speak more languages than we Americans usually speak. But uh, if you can speak other languages, that's good. But if I spoke Tagalog here, a couple people would understand me. But that's not really going to edify, instruct the whole church. And Paul says, I would rather speak five words with my mind. In other words, I'd rather speak five words that I've thought of, that I've planned, that I have constructed in analyzing the Scriptures, in uh, explaining the Scriptures, in applying the Scriptures. I'd rather do that than speak something that nobody could understand. Now this tells us, this little phrase, with my mind, tells us that to teach and instruct takes work. And let me tell you that your elders, as a general rule, if anybody would stand in this pulpit, we labor with our minds to prepare. It's work. It's work with, with the mind. And this is what Paul says. That's why we have an educated ministry. That's why we train those who, uh, even while we have TMA 2.0, we're seeking to train men, the future of this church, that we might see more who can understand the scriptures and with their mind analyze, with the help of the Spirit, of course, and explain and apply what the Bible says. And so edification, it requires that. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, the end of the verse, I would call it 26C, let all things be done for edification. And so when you think about what we do as a church, we ask the question as elders, whether explicitly or implicitly, or I think it's kind of built into our DNA, our trained DNA, that... We ask the question, does this edify? Is this going to build up the church? And notice it's not let all things be done for entertainment. Let all things be done so people feel good and feel happy. Uh, It's for edification to build up. God wants us more to be holy than to be happy. I don't remember if I told this story. I've told it in, in some context in the past five years. I don't remember if it was here. But when I was a young Christian, a very young Christian in previous church, we had a a young lady who stopped coming. And when we contacted her, she said, well, I have uh, my bowling league on Sunday. Oh, well, God wants us to be happy, doesn't he? That was her excuse. And I was a young Christian. I was like, duh, I don't think that sounds right. But I couldn't think of the text. What's the text? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God. Your happiness? Your sanctification. And so we ask the question with the activities of our church, does this edify? Does this sanctify? Does this build up in holiness? And that's what we aim at in our activities. Ephesians 4, 11 16 is the next reference that we have there. And this is that text about the risen Christ giving gifts to his church. Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Pause. All right, so prophets or apostles, well, there were 12 Uh, Of course, we had Judas off the stage and then Matthias and Paul as one untimely born. We don't have any more apostles who have seen the risen Lord and uh, who walked with him and heard him during his teaching ministry on earth. But we... Do we have prophets? Well, some say yes, but we say a prophet is one who speaks the word of God, and if he doesn't speak it with 100% accuracy, in other words, he makes a mistake. (laughs) Well, we don't have any more prophets like that. No more prophets. Evangelists. Well, if we have evangelists today, there's some people, I believe, who are more gifted at speaking the gospel to their neighbors and friends than others are gifted that way. But we're all to be evangelists. But uh, if there is a, a, an office of evangelist, I ask this question. What are the qualifications? How do we recognize such a person? And some churches I know of have set aside people to be evangelists for this, quote, office. But I say, how, how do you know them? What are the qualifications? The scriptures don't give qualifications except for elders and deacons. So that's a question mark, but I think that's my answer is that, no, we don't have any more evangelists in that sense. I believe they were, that Timothy was an evangelist. He was one who was Paul's uh, helper. But then we come to some as pastors and teachers. And notice there's no some as pastors, some as teachers. So it's the same office, pastor, teachers. And what are they doing? What are we here for? for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up, the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole building, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love." And as we see that every part supplies something, uh, we go back to what the pastor teaches, teachers do. They edify, they build up the body, uh, equipping the saints. Because every saint has that gift of service. Every saint it has a part it is a part of the body, has something to add to it, to contribute to it, that which every joint supplies. The elders are here equipping you, training you, teaching you. And that indicates that everyone, every living stone in this building has a part to play. And we're all laboring together for what goal to the building up of the body in love. And so we want to encourage you. You're not spectators here, as I said in that exposition of 1 Peter chapter 2. No spectators. This is not a spectator sport. The work of coming together as a body. We're here. Every joint, every brick, every living stone is contributing to the work of this church. And it's an encouragement to your pastors To see various ones uh, taking part and being active, whether it's in helping hands, whether it's in church lunch, whether it's in having people over to your home, hospitality, uh, whether it's leading a Bible study. Every joint. Some are downstairs supplying uh, work in the Children's Sunday School. And so every joint is active. We're thankful for that so edification building up that's what one way in which we glorify god we're not a stagnant uh, church you know you you look at a tree of course in winter it doesn't seem to be doing much but when springtime comes if there's no growth you say "Nah, cut it down it's it's dead well we want to see growth we do want to see growth in spiritual gifts, in holiness, in likeness to Christ, in the fruit of the Spirit. A fruitless person, as we'll see in the scripture reading later from the uh, parable of the sower and the soils, if there's no fruit, it's dead. So we want to see this living temple growing, being built up. And let me just pause there. This is one of our purposes as a church. Are there any questions about that? You see that? This is why we're here. That glorifies God. And that's why we pray. That God will fill this place and cause growth in grace as well as in number here to the glory of his name. All right, well, let's go on then. The next purpose mentioned here in this section. Edifying saints, planting and strengthening churches. Uh, We saw back in Acts 14 that as Paul, and and we read that last time, uh, let me just read it again briefly, Acts 14, 21 to 23, that uh, Paul being sent out by the church in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, in Acts chapter 14, 21, after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So, In Acts 14, they had already been to these places and they had planted churches, but the churches were lacking something. They were lacking leadership. And so Paul and Barnabas returned to these churches, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and they strengthened them. And one means of strengthening them was leading them, guiding them in appointing elders. And the word appoint is that word uh, that is could be translated raising of hands, guiding them in the selection of these officers by the suffrage, by the selection of the body. And so this was a way of strengthening them. They had planted the churches. Now they're strengthening them. And this is done by various means. Let's look at the texts which are referred to in our Confession. Acts 11, 29 uh, and 30. Acts eleven twenty nine 29. And in the proportion, I hear pages turning, I'll pause for a second. Acts eleven twenty nine 29. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. They say, well, wait a minute, how is this strengthening the church? Well, the church, churches back in Judea uh, were being weakened by famine, by hardship. And so the brethren in these newly planted churches, and uh, I think that was in Antioch chapter 11, Uh, They they sent a contribution by Barnabas and Saul to the elders. So they're strengthening by benevolence. We do this. And we'll come to actually to the next showing benevolence to the needy is the next means of glorifying God. But this is also a way of strengthening churches by encouraging them with financial help. We do that, sending money to help with earthquake relief, flood relief in Pakistan. Uh, Various places in the world, a sister who needed hip replacement in a small church in the Philippines. And that not only helped this sister, by the way, but encouraged the whole church. That there are brethren overseas who care for us. We're not alone. This is strengthening the churches. Acts 15 and verse 3 is the next text referred to several verses in Acts 15. Acts 15.3, this was after um, they had had their first missionary journey and before being sent out again, they're going to Jerusalem to consult with the elders and the apostles there with regard to this question, should um, converted Gentiles be forced to follow Jewish laws, become Jews. And on their way there, verse, 15, uh, verse 3 of chapter 15, therefore being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. And so Paul's missionary reports of what God is doing throughout the known world at that time, on his first missionary journey, This. Report of conversions, of people being saved, of churches being planted and established with elders. When the people in these churches there uh, that the, they passed through, Phoenicia and Samaria, they were thrilled. They were strengthened. This gospel is God's power under salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also... the Gentile. They were strengthened in their faith, encouraged that we're not on a fool's journey. We're not buying into some myth that is going to wash out in one generation. This is God's work. And I hope that when we get reports, missionary reports, whether it's the Philippines or Pakistan or Hong Kong, uh, Puerto Rico, or hopefully we'll hear of a church being planted in South Korea, that this will bring to us also great joy and strengthen our faith and strengthen us, building up the church. But then Acts 15 and verse 36, further on in Acts chapter 15, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So they want to go back and strengthen these churches Uh, so they were sent. Well, we find that actually in the end of Acts chapter 15 that there was some disagreement about this certain young man, John Mark, whether they should take him also. and So it ended up with a doubling of the work that Paul and Silas went one way, and Barnabas and John Mark went another way. But again, the goal, they're strengthening the churches. And we find in Acts 15 verse 40, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so well, they're doing this mission. We are going to go back and strengthen these churches. They're sent by the church in Antioch on this mission to strengthen them. And so in chapter 16, they, uh, go on to on this mission uh, verse 4 of chapter 16 now while they were passing through the cities they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and the elders who were in jerusalem for them to observe so the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily so now on this second missionary journey There are churches already planted that they're visiting again, and they're being strengthened, and they're increasing. And so this is part of the way in which we glorify God by sending missionaries. And if I may say this, you might think I have vested interests, but sending me back to the Philippines twice a year is accomplishing this purpose of our church. Strengthening. These works that have been planted. And so, what is the point? This is to the glory of God. This is how God is glorified. It was how he was glorified in the book of Acts. It's how we continue this great work. In the book of Acts, as I spoke to the uh, the school chapel this past week about Dr. Luke, uh, he says at the beginning of this book of Acts that he's telling Theophilus, Uh, He said the first book was about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And that implies that this book is about what Jesus is continuing to do and teach through his apostles. Well, now we don't have any more apostles, but we do have Jesus still working through the gifts that he's given to his church, pastors and teachers. And he's continuing to build his church. And so we're part of that. You're part of that. And I want you to be encouraged that and to get a glimpse of this vision. We're here to glorify God. And one of the ways we do that is to send men, Pastor Smith, to go visit Hong Kong and uh, Pastor Carlson to go visit Puerto Rico. And as we go and visit these missionaries, it's to strengthen, encourage, build up these works all to the glory of god acts 15 uh, that that was the last verse okay of this section all right so planting and strengthening churches then the next thing in our purpose the way that we glorify god is also by showing benevolence to the needy now i mentioned that as part of our strengthening other churches Uh, we do that in our own neighborhood as well look at romans chapter 15 This is the first reference that you have in the church constitution. Romans 15 verses 26 and 27. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them. For the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things. They are indebted to minister to them also in material things. And so... Not only our own congregation, but as we see these congregations uh, giving, they gave for the church back in Jerusalem, Macedonia, and Achaia. Uh, they sent money. They were helping the poor. That's benevolence. Those who were in this famine in Jerusalem. And so we send money, we send gifts for earthquake, flood relief, etc. And this is benevolence around the world. And this builds up the body and glorifies God. Verse 10 of Galatians chapter 2. This is Paul recounting his visit to the apostles in Jerusalem and their directions to him as they did extend to him the right hand of fellowship. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. Remember the poor. Sometimes we want to close our eyes and ignore them. But Paul says, I was instructed to remember them. And what a pain in the neck. No, he says, I was eager. I was on board even before they said it. I was also eager to do this. And we we can see that as we go back even in Acts 11, that he was eager to do that. All right, so um, benevolence, eager to help the poor. Galatians 6.10, the last verse in this uh, section So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. All men, but especially fellow believers. Now, in this age of global communication, we have the advantage, or you might call it a disadvantage, of being aware of the poor, not only in our own backyard, not only that we see with our own eyeballs, but poor around the world. Uh, Because of global communication, we are informed of People who have needs in in Pakistan, in various places, in uh, the Philippines, even, and so it can tug our heartstrings. It can overwhelm us, to be honest. It certainly, could overwhelm our means if we sought to address every need that exists around the globe. You know, as as Carol and I have been sitting in our comfortable house in Caldwell. Uh, and of course you may be planned well uh, next year we're going to make this uh, addition or this uh, we're going to do this uh, building project or make this decorating uh, decorating project in our home, just think if a bomb were to fall on it it'd be all gone all of your plans gang after glay as Robert Byrne said it's going to go <laughs> well There are people around the globe who are suffering. We had in our home a few weeks ago, I guess it was the first Sunday of the pastor's conference, there was a man who just dropped in on our church that he found on the internet. Actually, I think he found it also when he was walking in the neighborhood, visiting from the Ukraine. Came to our church, and he told us of how he and his family had moved from the Eastern side of Ukraine, which is a war zone, to the western side near Poland because of being bombed. Can you imagine? This is my house. You know, I've worked on it, I've uh, had these projects, and it's gone. There are brethren that are suffering in these situations. But you see, if we then said, Oh, we're going to help him build a new house, we're going to help everybody build a new house. It wouldn't, our money, our bank account wouldn't last long. So we need to pray for guidance and wisdom. Do good to all men, especially the household of faith. How far does that extend? Well, of course, it starts in our Jerusalem. It starts with those who are close to us. Um, we want to help and we don't want to ever say, well, I'm not eager to do that. Paul said, I'm eager to do that. We need wisdom. And so pray for your deacons. Pray for your elders as we seek to be good stewards of the resources committed to us. We can't solve the problems of the world. Bill Gates or Elon Musk with all their billions couldn't solve the problems of the world. Much less we. But we can do what we can do when things come to our attention. And so we do help in those needs in Pakistan, etc. All right. But then... Goes on, all right. So that's uh, the work of benevolence. The next means of glorifying God is we are committed to the proclamation of God's perfect law and the glorious gospel of His grace through all the world. Well, again, this goes back to evangelism, planting and strengthening churches. But notice, I think the emphasis here is that it's preaching the whole counsel of God throughout all the world, the means to accomplish those preceding things of planting churches, etc., is preaching. And the texts that we have are Luke 24, 46 and 47. This is, of course, the section of Luke where the risen Christ is giving directions to his apostles of what they're to do when he is taken up. From them, and he says in Luke 26, 24, verse 46, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And so, this is part of what we're about preaching repentance, forgiveness in his name that's the gospel to all nations. Chapter 20 of Acts, Paul tells the Ephesian elders, verse 20, you know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks, a repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. So that's, you know, one way we do that is with the Internet, with Sermon Audio, with our website. We can reach the world, but we also do it by sending men. Romans 1, 15. We saw how Paul was eager to help the poor. He's eager for something else. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. The gospel. Now, how does he start the gospel? We've seen this, and I don't know how many months ago that was, that we were in Romans 1. But how does Paul start his exposition of the good news? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in ungodliness. Now, that means when we preach the gospel, it contains bad news, As well as good news. That's not ear tickling. That's not pleasing the flesh. But people need to hear it. And so. Hear from this pulpit. You sometimes get bad news. (laughs) But it leads to the good news. We thank God for that. We're committed. To this proclamation. And the last thing here. And I numbered them in my own notes. Number eight. And to the defense of the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Defense of the faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, defending the truth against error. And basically, this is uh, based on Jude 3, in which Jude says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. We defend the truth against error. We contend. That doesn't mean we go out, you know, and put on our gloves or maybe bare fists. And oh, you you said that, I'm after you. You know, we're not looking for a fight. We're not going around trying to pick on everybody. Well, you said this. Oh, that's not Right. We're not the global watchdogs and uh, global policemen of everybody's doctrine. But we do stand up when the truth is threatened. We do seek, by clear exposition, by even sometimes, yeah, we have to name names. We have to say, well, this is an error, and we have to warn you, the people of God, because we don't want you to fall prey to any of these errors. We defend the faith, the truth, against error. And we do this in our conferences. So we have a pastor's conference, and we try to help pastors see dangers in some of our messages there, and in our publishing ministry. And so we have uh, Pastor Martin's Pastoral Theology, and part of that is to correct errors, excuse me, of pastoral ministries around the world. And, And God has been using that. Have the book of Hebrews published, uh, Trinity Pulpit Press, and so these are parts of what we do to defend the truth against error. Now, what's the primary means? Section two. We say, "Well, this is taking a while. How how long is this <laughs> this study of the confession going to go on?" Well, as long as it takes, I guess I would say. But I, uh, to, to me. That we're on the same page. We understand what we're about as a church. And especially the section on our purpose is really vital. This is why we're here. This is what we're doing. And I found it very profitable to prepare these studies. I pray they're profitable for you as well. What are we about? Well, and how do we do it? The primary means for the accomplishment of this purpose are, means, so it's more than one, prayer and the public and private ministry of the word. Key text there, Acts 6, 4, when it came to that uh, problem in the church in Jerusalem with the widows being neglected, the, the Greek widows being neglected in the serving of food, serving of tables, the apostles, the spiritual leadership of the church, no elders yet, said, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word we're being distracted unnecessarily not that it's unnecessary to care for the widows but there are other people who could do this ministry we don't want to be distracted from our primary task of prayer and the ministry of the word and that's what your elders do we're not apostles but you see these were the the leaders of the church in jerusalem no more apostles but we have pastors and teachers And this is what we find as our job description, especially. Yes, shepherd the church of God, care for the flock. But we do that especially by prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, your elders take that seriously, I know, from knowing these men, working with them. And in fact, in our elders' meetings, a substantial part of the meeting you probably wouldn't know this if I didn't tell you. A substantial part of the meeting is taken up in prayer for the congregation. And we pray through the church directory. Not every member every week, but we take sections, bites. You know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you pray through the church directory? Well, several names at a time. And so we pray for you all. We take that seriously. We want to see you grow. We want to see you built up in the faith. And one of the means is prayer. We pray for other needs of our congregation. Other matters that we're deciding about. We don't trust our own wisdom. In all our ways, we acknowledge Him. Prayer. And I find that, Something to to be honest with you that I don't encounter in every church that I've been in. I think it's a, one of the strong points of Trinity Baptist Church. Your elders take it seriously. That this is part of our job description. Prayer, and that's not just in our weekly meeting, but speaking on behalf of your elders, we do this in our private prayer times at home. We pray for you all. And so sometimes at the door I may ask you, or one of the elders may ask you, so what can I pray for you about? Uh, how can I be praying for you? And give us an honest answer, because we do pray for you. All right, Prayer and the ministry of the Word. We saw in Acts 20, Paul taught anything that was profitable. So when we decide what we're going to preach... You know, we discuss it, I and mean, sometimes it's just a matter of saying, well, this is what I, uh, I'm going to say something that's probably anathema, feel led <laughs> to preach. It's something I want to preach. And, of course, we pray about that. What's most needful for the flock at this time? We discuss it, and maybe someone would say, no, nah, maybe not at this point. We discuss it. What is most needful? What is profitable for the people to grow, to build up the flock? And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 3 through 5, another one of the passages listed there For we, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying. Speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so your elders are seeking to use these spiritual weapons also, divinely powerful. Preaching. Now, in a previous church, so this is going back to when I was a young Christian. Uh, The pastor told me in a private conversation that he didn't really think preaching did much. I think that was, he was somewhat discouraged in his ministry as a young pastor. He was somewhat young, 30-ish, that he didn't see much fruit. Well, partly, I suspect that was because the preaching that was um, conducted was more telling stories and so on, and not so much exposition of the word I think we can say at Trinity Baptist Church, this church was built by preaching. And we thank God for preaching. And we come to hear preaching because we're convinced that these weapons, bringing every thought captive to obedience to Christ, how do we obey Christ? Through His Word that this is divinely powerful. Our confidence is not in men. We don't have confidence, oh yeah, we can do this. Your elders sometimes uh, quake in our boots. But we know God can do this. His word is divinely powerful, and that's our confidence. We have no confidence in the flesh. We have confidence in his word. We have confidence in these tools these weapons of our warfare so pray for them pray that god would help us as we lay lay hold of that sword as as bunyan puts it in pilgrim's progress that there's none like it that we would use it for his glory and for the good of all his people first timothy 2 1 first of all then i urge that in treaties and prayers petitions and thanksgivings Be made on behalf of all men. Again, the importance of prayer to a well ordered church. I urge, and this is direction to the church of God. His house rules for the church, it's not just for the elders. And so we want to encourage you come to the prayer meeting. Don't be absent from the prayer meeting. This is part of our work together in taking hold of these weapons, spiritual weapons, mighty weapons. Because it's not what we do. It's what God does through us, which we entreat and implore, even as we did singing that hymn, we beseech you, hear us. Does God hear? He hears, and he answers. Paul says to Timothy, and I'll hasten through these last few verses, 1 Timothy 4, 6, and pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you've been following. What's going to nourish the brethren? The words of the faith, sound doctrine. Uh, you're not nourished by, you know, funny stories. And, uh, of course, an anecdote to illustrate a point, that's one thing. But I've, <laughs> I've heard sermons which were all anecdote and uh, no, no meat. <laughs> And that's not what you get here at Trinity Baptist Church. This is what nourishes your faith. 1 Timothy 4, 13-16. So we have a few here in 1 Timothy and then 2 Timothy. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them, so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation, both for yourself and for those who hear you. Brethren, we want you all to be saved to the uttermost. And Jesus does this, he does it by means, by his spirit, through his word. And so Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the spiritual gift. Give attention to public reading of scripture. Give attention to teaching. We give attention to this. We're absorbed in this. I still remember Pastor Martin using this text in pastoral theology to us young men. If you persevere in this, if you finish well, this is for the good of your people. You you ensure salvation for yourself and for your hearers. You know, we've all heard sad tales of pastors falling into sin. Or maybe just gradually losing their grip. We've heard tales of pastors, whether embezzling money or falling into immorality. You know, it hasn't happened here, to the best of my knowledge. Do we then puff out our chests and say, look at us? No. We say, thank Thanks be to God. And thanks be to the people of God for your prayers for us. Continue to pray. It could happen here. Let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. And if you've seen, perhaps from afar, one of these pastoral falls, you know the devastation, the havoc it wreaks upon the church. (sighs) When temptation comes, I'll be honest with you, when temptation comes to me, I think of especially one of these men and the devastation his sin caused. And I answer the devil, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Continue to pray for us. Take pains with these things. Ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. First, 2 Timothy 4, last text I'll read. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and by his king, and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. Yeah, we have to do that. Rebuke, it's part of our job. Exhort, that includes encouragement. With all patience and instruction. I take this verse as a large part of my job description. Preach the word. Be ready. In season, out of season. Reprove. Yeah, I'll be honest, it's not my favorite activity. Rebuke. No, I don't get joy out of that but you got to do it encourage yeah but you know that's hard to do somebody who's moping encourage them with all patience and instruction well pray for us you know it, it just to close with this one last sentence here uh we may also, for the accomplishment of this purpose, use other means and engage in other ministries which in the judgment of the elders are biblically justified. As for example, but not limited to these, the sale of books and tapes. We're not selling tapes anymore. Now that's all online. You can get it for free. But it goes wider because of that. So maybe we need to update this, but that would be uh, that would require somehow um, having... Uh, This thing, you know, we'd have to vote on it and all that. Never mind. Um, (laughs) The production of radio broadcast, the training of men for the ministry, which additional ministries we may conversely discontinue at any time there that we're covered there. So there's the point. What are we doing? We want to glorify God. How do we do it? By worship, by preaching, by benevolence. By spreading the gospel around the world. That's what this church is doing. That's what we're about. Are you happy to be part of this? Amen. To be part of what God is doing in the world through his church. There's no other organization. Which God has put on this earth to accomplish these things. I challenge you, look in the Bible. There's no other organization. I will build my church. That's what we're doing. And you, members of Trinity Baptist Church, you're part of this, and we're all in it together. May God own it to the glory of his name. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for what you've been doing through Trinity Baptist Church over the years of its existence, and we pray that it would continue, and that you would continue to be glorified here in our midst, through our worship, through our preaching, through our benevolence through our mission works, that you would receive great glory here and around the globe because of the existence of Trinity Baptist Church. We ask that this candlestick would continue to burn brightly, that you would build up Trinity Baptist Church, and that each joint, each member would take seriously our responsibility to be part of this thing and do what we can for your glory here in this place. We ask through Jesus, our Savior, with all glory being given Him. Amen.